that people can see. Don't forget we have always said that what is written concerning me in the Bible is more important than what is happening in my life. The word of God is what we call promises. And God is the one that, you know, will promise and he will not lie. But do I have faith in his promises? Do I have faith in his promises? Do I have faith in his promises? We have said that we need to give a place for the word of God in our heart. And all through this month and the next, we're providing the oxygen devotional cards, which you'll get the one for this week, uh, towards the end of this service. It's to the end that we can get a little more grounded in the word of God. Isaiah 55, from verse 10, the Bible says, So shall my word be that proceed out of my mouth. They shall not return unto me void, but they shall accomplish whatever I've sent them. The word of God is the carrier of the power of God. And when that word is at work in my life, that's when I can say that I'm actually a carrier of the power of God. Last Sunday I was sharing to the effect that the word of God is what makes everything spiritual. So I said, are you spiritual? That was the title of the message. And you can get the, the, the message after the service. That whatever you do in Christianity, if there's no trace to the word of God in it, even if you are backflipping and fire is falling, if the, we can't trace it to the word and say this has root in the word, it's not spiritual. It's gymnastics. Yeah. Jesus said, the word that I speak to you they are spirit and they are life. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God. It said the word was God. With him, all things were made. And without him, nothing was made that was made. The Bible says that uh, word is a life of man. And that life is light. And said the light shines in darkness and darkness cannot comprehend it. So we've said a lot about the word this month, and you need to get the message. But today, I want to come down to something. That's that as powerful as the word of God is, it carries the potentials of God in it. What makes the word of God to bring forth, to deliver result, is where it is planted. Now, the word of God is the greatest force that is existing in this planet as I speak right now. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, the Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the waters. And the Bible says, then God said, and when God said, darkness disappeared, the earth took shape. So the word of God is the most powerful force on the face of the earth right now. That's the most powerful force. Because it was the word that put everything in place. I was sharing at our school of pastoral care to our leaders yesterday how, how I'm now sharing about systems, church systems, and how the human body is loaded with systems. And that's how we function, isn't it? Nervous system, respiratory system, digestive system, you know, and all that. And how somebody will sit down somewhere and then try to convince me that this body can work with all the systems in it and nobody thought about it. It was a big bang. Come on. How come there has not been any other big bang since that time? 
I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. I mean, this thing has been intelligently put together. People studied up to a professor level to understand how it works. And you said something exploded. And then it just happened. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Or that uh, it was uh, just one kind of evolution. So the heart, the solar system, that people are still studying forever, was out of a big bang. I, 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 don't, I, I don't think that... <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I don't even want to uh, I don't even want to think about it in the sense that you can have something working in systems and nobody worked it out. So the bank happened and the solar system came to be. And it was everything was arranged. How can chaos <laughs> brought up uh, uh, alignment and arrangement? That's not the message for today. We'll get into it some other time. But this is what I'm saying. That God orchestrated everything by his word and put systems in place on this earth. The word of God, therefore, is the strongest force that is still available on this earth today. And that word can bring results in any situation. So the prophet Isaiah was writing and speaking about God, what God was saying, and said, so shall my word be that proceed out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. It shall bring forth result in any place. So what about the place that is making contact with? What about the place that is making contact with? Jesus was contemplating this with a multitude in Matthew chapter 13. And I'll read from verse 1 to 9. And that was where we got the parable of the sower from. This was his contemplation with the crowd, just trying to explain to them the importance of where the world is making contact with. That the result, the resultant effect is not just about the world. The world is powerful. There's nothing you can do about it. It will always bring forth result. But what about where the world is making contact with? Verse 1 of Matthew 13. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea and a great multitude were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore then he spoke many things to them in parables saying behold a sower went out to sow and as he sowed some fell by the wayside. Somebody say the wayside. The wayside. Oh, come on, say it again. Say the wayside. the wayside. And the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony, stony places. Somebody say stony places. Stony places. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much hurt. And they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of hurt. But when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. Verse 7. And some fell among thorns. Somebody say thorns. And the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground. Somebody say with me, good ground. Say, that's my heart. 
Come on, say it by faith. Say, that's my heart. So some fell among good ground and yielded a crop. Now, listen to this. Some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And he who has hears to hear, let him hear. The Lord bless the reading of his word. I love the song from the Elevation Priest of Praise this morning. Asking that God will take us deeper. That God will take us deeper. And say, the song says, this can't be it. God is so much bigger than this. So even when your heart is a good ground, I presume the writer of that song maybe was experiencing 30-fold. And when you say God is bigger than this, that means I can go to 60-fold. I can go to 100-fold. So even when you have a good heart, there's still levels of productivity and fruitfulness that we need to aspire to. But before we get into that, let's examine the four types of heart that Jesus described here. It's important to note that these hearts, these different types, uh, to get to the good ground, in my opinion, if you can ensure that your heart is not the wayside, the stony one, or the Tony heart, then you can be sure that your heart is a good heart. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Because Jesus described them in that order for a purpose. So if you understand that a seed is a unit of potential, and that the word of God is a carrier of the potentials of God, the omnipotent God, when he speaks his word, his word carries that inexhaustible exhaustive potential that our God has. That's why it brings forth in everything and in anything that they are sent it. So what determines whether the, it's, the potentials of the world will be realized is where it is sown. And Jesus said there's the wayside, first location, and then the stony place, and then the thorny ground, and the good ground. The good ground. And if you're familiar with farming, you, 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 you'll be able to reckon with these different places. But in making your heart the good ground, there are three instructions that I have this morning. And as I go through these instructions, we're going to be examining all those different ground or heart types that Jesus described. The first one is that you need to plow the soil. Plowing the soil... It's what helps you to get away from the wayside. You see the wayside, the wayside. When seeds drop on the wayside, when the word of God comes upon uh, the heart that is the wayside, what happens? Jesus said the birds of the hair will come and pick it out. Uh, let me proceed gently. Let's read uh, Matthew 13 and let's, this time around, let's jump to verse 18. Because Jesus afterwards explained the parable. In verse 18 of Matthew 13, it says, Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. So it's the wicked one that snatches it away. And why? Because it's available to be snatched. What was sown in the heart? This is he who received the seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed 
on stony places. This is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation and persecution arises because of the word, when tribulations and persecutions come, they have come, their target is the word that is in your heart, that which you are holding on to, that which is growing in your heart, that which carries the potentials of God in you. Because the word of God in you is God in you. When you show up and the word is in your heart, God is showing up. He does not deny his word. Say amen, somebody. So, but he who received the seed on the stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arise, arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this word and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. He who bears, I mean, who bears, who indeed bears fruit and produces some, a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. Now, let me go back to the instructions. The, the, the first description that Jesus gave was the wayside. The wayside is eye traffic. Eye traffic. A lot of going and coming. The land, the ground is patched. The, the seed cannot enter it. That's why the bird of the hair will come and pick it up because it's so easy. It's just lying there. Eye traffic. Many people don't know that the devil is not concerned about whether you, you, you came to church or not. That's not his, his, his concern. Uh, for some of us, we need it as palliative for our conscience to just say, God, leave me alone. I went to church this Sunday. So this week, you know, we're friends this week. You know, that kind of thing. So, some of us, you know, that's probably how we think. But the devil is not bothered whether you are in church or not. He's bothered about whether your heart will change from wayside to good ground. So that when you come to church, are you ready to receive anything or not? Because some people, you know, just come to church, too many businesses, so just find one corner and just, uh, you know, like we say, just dengue and turn your head this way and they are gone. When we're saying the final prayer, reciting the closing charge, then they, uh, they come back to life and the devil is very happy. He went, but uh, <laughs> there's no seed. Because without the seed of the word in your heart, there can't be change. There can't be transformation. So the devil is happy. His target is that you will not be able to make contact with the seed of the word of God. It's not bothered about your presence. It's not bothered at all about your presence. Such people, you know, come to church and just, ah, so I was church, I was, it was powerful. I was the message, ah, powerful as usual, ah. Uh-huh, that pastor can preach. Oh. <laughs> What's the title of the message? Uh, it was good, Sha. It was good. It was, was, was very powerful. 
wayside. Wayside. Some will just hear and hear some things, you know, in passing. And by 4 p.m. today, everything has been taken up. Birds have carried them away. Because they have no resting place. The heart is parched. It borders on the ability to seek understanding. All right? So when you want to plow the soil to change the wayside to a good ground, the first step in changing the wayside to a good ground is that you plow the ground. And how do you start to plow? You need to uh, condition yourself to become somebody who seeks understanding. How do I mean? In natural things, Stephen Harcovey wrote in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. So one of the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he said, seek to understand first and then to be understood. Many people always turn that around. We are always seeking to be understood but not to understand. Such people are wayside ground kind of people because there's too much eye traffic on your mind. You don't want to understand anything. You just want people to understand you. If you see a wayside husband or wife, they don't care what your spouse is saying. They just want you to listen. And when such people even come into church, they don't really want to care so much about what the pastor is saying. You know, that's the truth. They, they just feel like, look, uh, um, they don't understand me in this church. But you understand them in that church. When you see a wayside employee, they don't take instruction from their bosses. Before the boss finish saying one thing. They have rationalized it to the end. So they are not really listening, even though they are there. So they, they take an assignment and then bungle it. And then they say it's the devil that is not allowing them to be promoted. Just take simple instruction and do stuff. For you not to be a wayside ground, you have to be able to plow your heart. A heart that is plowed. When a farmer is plowing the ground, he's preparing it for a seed. If you are somebody who is always seeking understanding, your heart remains plowed, ready for a seed, for understanding, for something to enter so that you can take instruction and do something differently. That's what I'm saying. The, the farmer does not plow the ground for nothing. The plowing process is for readiness for the seed. Are you always ready for instruction? Or you always seek for other people to understand you, but you don't seek to be understood. In natural things, success can be far from such people. They're very argumentative because they stick to their guns. So all they he you hear from such people is, you need to understand me. You need to understand me. What about you calming down and getting to understand what the other person is saying? The mark of a gentleman is for somebody to talk and for you to say, make me understand. Come again. Make me understand this. Yeah, help me to understand this. 
when I read these things and learned these things many years ago, I used to have a colleague who was very argumentative. I just told myself, you know what? This guy will not push me on his stuff again. Anytime we're talking, I just calm down. Allow him to talk. If I don't understand him, make me understand you. And I'm just leaving. When you don't have anybody to argue with, you calm down. Have you? It's simple now. Just make me understand you. What do you have to say? I don't have anything to say now. Because I want to understand you. <laughs> I want to understand you first. Yeah. I was studying recently more on negotiation. Recently, just a few weeks ago. I think I was preparing a paper or something on, on negotiation. And I, I came across an illustration. <laughs> it was one Harvard professor that wrote this illustration. He uh, said... The story was about two boys fighting for an orange. And then somebody came and said, okay, let's settle the case. The only way to settle this case is what? We share the orange into two. So you take one part and you take the other. The only issue was this. When they gave this part to this boy and they gave this part to this boy, this boy on this side did what? Remove all the orange, the pulp and everything inside and left the cover, the, 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 you know, because he wanted to create something like a cup. I can pour something in and, you know, put it in an oven or something. That was all he wanted. Something, you know, something like a, like a cup with which you can maybe put a container, yeah, for, his, um, for something. That was all he wanted. This other person wanted just the orange. So he took the orange, held it, and threw the back away. Now, if initially somebody had asked, not a wayside mind, but a ground that was, has been plowed, and you are seeking for understanding, then they would have sat down and said, in that negotiation, to say, look, so what is your exact interest? I'm going to teach more on this in September. During this time, it's better. What's your exact interest in this case? Because a lot of the time in marriage, things break down because we don't even understand each other's interest. So the other one would have said, I'm only interested in the pillow. So they will remove all the pill now for him. And then the inside, the orange itself, for this other boy. So this one has, the, he has two cups instead of one. And this other one too has two, the whole orange inside. And everybody's happy. But for lack of willingness to listen to each other, we lose many things. And that's the same attitude we bring into the kingdom of God. And it's the wayside mind. The wayside mind. The wayside mind. And we need to be careful to seek understanding. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4, Paul was writing and he said, But if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest they the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on their heart. In Acts chapter 8, when you read from verse 26, the story of the Ethiopian Enoch that God sent Philip to. This Ethiopian Enoch was going in his chariot, and then Philip showed up on the scene. And because his chariot was moving slowly enough, uh, Philip could peep in to say, 
and see what he was doing. And he said, oh, it was, the guy was just reading out from the book of Isaiah. And Philip asked the question, do you understand? The King James said, understandest thou what thou readest? And the man said, how can I understand? Except somebody explains it to me. So if you don't mind, can I come in? I can explain it. That was a ground that was ready to be plowed for the word. Then Philip came in, sat with the man, explained the word to him, sowed the seed of the word in his heart. The guy was converted. And Philip said, if you don't mind, I can baptize you at the next river. They got to the next river, they, they parked, and the guy was baptized. And then from there, Philip disappeared. Have you read that in Acts chapter 8 before? Yeah, you need to read the book of Acts very well. So, simply like that, the guy became saved. You know the problem we have today? Many people have chariots, but their chariots are moving too fast. Moving so fast that they are not even positioned for anybody to ask them, do you understand what you are reading? Do you understand what you are reading? When your focus has been shifted from God and the word of God, what happens? You, your life will be on such speed. And like I was describing in the second service, there's a point your heart can get to. I was reading a book once written by a warrior, and he described how, how warriors and people who are, you know, very fierce, how they move. That warriors move in the desert, and they can be marching to go ahead day and night for almost like three days without stopping, especially when they have gotten a notice that there's a seed that has been laid, you know, or something. So as you continue to move, it gets to a point. What happens? It said you, are, you start to move, and you are moving faster than your soul. So it's like you are leaving your soul behind, and you are moving forward. And you see, sometimes when you get into the, the, you know, the tick of pursuing business and accomplishment and all that. That's what happens. You're moving so fast, you've left your soul behind. And when people get to that point, they are soulless. And they do things that soulless people do. When somebody sends hired assassins to kill a political opponent or a business you know, colleague, that person is soulless. Such people need to slow down so they can recover their soul. They will be more humane in their decision when you have recovered your soul. The Ethiopian Enoch was moving with his chariot. In those days, a chariot was a big deal, but he was moving slowly enough for a man to approach him and say, do you understand what you are reading? Can we plow your heart and put a seed of the word in it? Is somebody still with me today? Yes, so that you still with me this morning. Yes, it's extremely important that we understand that God wants our heart to be open to him. So, tap your neighbor for me one more time. Say, plow the, 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 the soil. Secondly, break the rocks, remove the stones. Or you can say it if you want to say, break the rocks, remove the stones. Break the rocks, remove the stones. Jesus described the second type of heart or ground as the stony ground. The stony ground 
you know, it has a, 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 a thin layer of soil with underlying rocks. The rocks prevent the seed of the word of God, you know, from getting, having roots down. That's why Jesus said when the sun will come, it will scorch it because it doesn't have root downward. Downward. And for us to maximize the word of God, we must allow it to take root downwards in our heart. We must allow it to take roots downward in our heart. And there's so many rocks, so many stones that don't allow the word of God to take root in our hearts. In Matthew 7, Jesus described the man who built his house on the rock, you know, and all that. And he said the wind and the storm will come and that house will stand because of its foundation. It dug deep. It dug deep. When the word of God cannot take root in my heart because I have a thin layer of soil and then every other thing under there is hard. I mean, it's, it's the, the rocks and stones. What happens? The word comes, excitement and all that. The leaves will shoot off, but nothing is going down. So what are stones? What are rocks? There are certain ways people will talk. You will know there's a big rock underneath there. I was talking to someone one day, and um, he was, you know, was just trying to justify, ah, Pastor, there are no saints on earth, oh. saints are in heaven. On this earth, we are not saints. That's a big rock there. Because there's nothing you're going to tell that person. He believes there are no saints on earth. So all of us are bad people and will always be bad. How do you then change when you believe that everybody has to be bad? And then have you read in your Bible? Paul was writing to the Ephesians and to the saints at Ephesus, to the saints at Colossae. Are those ones in heaven? They are not. He wrote letters to them. So if the word of God says, when I'm in Christ, I'm a saint. Not in the sense of perfection, but in the sense of the fact that when you are joined to the God of the living, you are joined to the grace for transformation. And you can get better and better. But when you have a big rock that says there are no saints on earth, even when you're supposed to pull your weight and try to resist the devil, you cave in. Because there's a big rock there that will not allow the word of God that says that you can grow, you can be better. Let me give you an example of another big rock. In 1 Corinthians 10 or so, Paul called them strongholds. Big rock. Some people say everyone helps those who help themselves. But one man has said it before. Ah, the Bible says everyone helps those who help. I said, eh, where? <laughs> which chapter or which verse? Because, you know, ignorant people, they just say stuff. <laughs> How do you say something, something that's not in the Bible? The Bible says everyone, everyone helps those who help themselves. There's nothing like that in the Bible. That's a big rock or stone. It will not allow the word of God to enter. So the heaven help those who are the same kind of person uh, will still be in church. So one leg here and one leg here. Yeah, this is for heaven and the ones who help themselves. <laughs> I hope you understand. So uh, we, we, some people try the word. They don't do the word, they try it. Because if it doesn't really work, then we know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> we know what to do. And that's a big rock. Because why? That stone is there. Any small resistance, any small thing that looks like it's not working, you have a fallback position. 
Next Sunday, we're going to be looking at how to make the word of God a final authority on your life and how to stand on the word until you get a result. So you don't have rocks underneath there. So some people's rock is a critical spirit. Always critical about everything. Everything. And as good as it is for you to be critical so we can bring innovation and improvement, but when it comes to the word of God, you have to give it a place in your heart. Even when it doesn't make sense at the beginning, you need to be to understand the fact that the word of God is not coming to interact with your carnal mind. First and foremost, it wants to make impact with your heart. And from your heart, your mind starts to process it and it makes sense when your heart is open. So it may not make sense immediately, but will you receive it? Jesus said if you can receive the things of the kingdom like a child, like a little child. You know a little child? If you tell a child, you see this candy? can turn it to 1,000 candies. You have this house filled with candy. The child will look like this. You see, his, his face will just become so bright. It's like, oh, that's a possibility. Good. So one could go ahead. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you believe anything that you say. And he said, except we can be like that. We cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And it's not just talking about heaven. No. It means the kingdom of God there is talking about God's sphere of influence or God's way of doing things or God's uh, worldview. You cannot embrace God's worldview except you are simple as a child. So, let's deal with the rocks. Tell your neighbor one more time. Break the rocks. Remove the stones. Say it again, say break the rocks. Remove the stones. Ephesians chapter 3, when you read from verse 17 to 19, Paul had this to, to say, he said, that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith, that you may be rooted and grounded in love, and may be able to comprehend with all the saints the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with the fullness of God. That's, that's God's intention. Let the word of God permeate everywhere. Let it fill you. And lastly this morning, remove the weeds and thorns. That's the journey towards the good ground. Plow the ground, break the rocks, remove the stones, remove the weeds and thorns. Jesus described the weeds and the thorns. Thorns and weeds choke the plant, they consume the water, the nutrient, and everything that should nourish the plant so that the plant will die. The thorns take up our spiritual energy and choke the word of God in our life. So you receive a seed of the word and the thorns and the weeds choke it. Some of us have friends that are thorns and weeds. They choke the word. Right? Jesus described uh, some of his own descriptions. He said, <laughs> The cares of life. Because when the doctor's report doesn't look like God's report, if you pay more attention to the doctor's report, it will choke the seed of the word in your heart. So when you see two people, two people can get the same report from the doctor. 
One has the word of God developing root. The other one, the word has not developed root. The one that has the word of God developing root, it gets a report from the doctor. And he looks at the report and says, but I will believe the report of the Lord. His report says, I'm blessed. His report says, I'm healed. His report says, none shall cast their young and none shall be barren. So this baby in my tummy will come out alive. That's what the report of God says. Not shall cast their young. None shall bury their young. So I believe that and I hold that word to be true. The other person says, okay, that's what they have written. No problem. They will take this one out. We'll try again. Yeah. Or some other persons will receive the same report and just say, it is finished. My life has ended. It depends on how much the word of God has taken root in your heart. Before I was young, now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or sit beg for bread. So you got a report that the transaction went bad. Money has gone. The difference between the believer who will contemplate suicide and the one who will say, the God who brought that money can bring. Say, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ. According to his riches. He will supply all your needs. If he brought that one, he will bring another one. Guys, let's have fun. Our God is still alive and well. And his word is sure. And it's dwelling in my heart. Not the one that will carry brandy and finish one bottle. Ask for a second bottle. Finish it. Wasted. It says, it's finished. We're done. After I finish that, I say, please look for Gamale 20. Let's pack it up here. No, that's the truth. But that person also can be a believer and can still behave like that. The word has no root. So Jesus talked about the cares of this word. And he talked about the deceitfulness of riches. All these things choke the word of God. Can you, can you look at your neighbor for me and tell your neighbor, money is good. You're going to have plenty of it. But, money is not everything. Can we do it a second time? No, 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 no. Choose somebody else. That person didn't hear you very well. Choose somebody else. Look at somebody else and say. Jesus warned us, lastly this morning, Jesus warned us about the deceitfulness of riches. There's something about money that comes with some bit of deceit around it. The lack of it, the plenty of it, as all of both sides has something about it that is deceitful. But my stand is that money is good and I'm going to have plenty of it. And you can be angry. <laughs> when I say I'm going to have plenty of it, it's not your offering or tithe. It's the one that God will give me and is giving me. Glory to God. All right. Money is good. I'm going to have plenty of it. But money is not everything. So I'm not going to allow the deceitfulness of riches to choke the seed of the word in my heart. 
Are you still with me this morning? I said, are you still with me this morning? Jesus said in Matthew 6, 31 to 34, Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Where how shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek after. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. All this one of, and we know this is what the Bible says, but let's, we'll barricade the word of God, we'll finish this transaction, and we'll come back with the, to the word. You need to stop. Don't barricade the word for a transaction. Let everything flow together. Money is good, but Jesus said, beware of the deceitfulness of riches. Chokes the word of God in your heart. Destroys the root the foundation sucks the life out of the potency of the word lift your two hands with me this morning and I want you to begin to declare it, Lord my heart is a good ground I say it by faith that my heart is a good ground I say it by faith that my heart is a good ground it's a good ground for the seed of the word of God my heart